You can follow along in today's sermon on page 11 in your leaflets. There are sermon notes there. And we are continuing in our Lenten sermon series, looking at what we cannot give up for Lent. Now, many of you uh, during the Lenten season will give something up, and that's all in good. But I've heard maybe we should be adding something for Lent. And if nothing else, there are certainly things that we cannot and should not give up for Lent. And today we are looking at Christianity without mission? Question mark. Today's sermon title is Christianity without mission. Running from the mission is running from God's presence. As Christians, we cannot give up mission. There is no Christianity without mission, for God himself is missional and came to save us. Our focal verse this morning, and I have seen this verse in a way that I have never seen it before, is Jonah 1.3. I know we all know the story of Jonah, or most of us do. I even read it in a public high school in my English class. Maybe you did as well. And we know the narrative, but I want you to listen to this focal verse. But Jonah rose to flee from Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Three times in the first ten verses, look at verse 10 of Jonah 1, that Jonah was fleeing from the presence of the Lord. Today we're going to look at Jonah's running from the mission of God and the presence of God, and that the truth is there is no Christianity without mission. To run from or avoid mission is to run from and avoid God's very presence. What's amazing about the account of Jonah is not that the account happened, a man ran from the mission and the presence of God. It is that this still happens. We still run from obedience to God. We still run from serving God and His mission. In our disobedience and sin, we run from God's presence. As Jesus in our gospel reading says, When you did it unto the least of these, my brethren, you also did it unto me. And conversely, when you did not do it unto the least of these, my brothers, you did not do it unto me. There's a correlation with coming in to the presence of God, with coming into the presence of our neighbors in service and in love. Jesus' incarnation, salvation, and call of all people to himself is at its very essence missional. Our missional God calls us through serving others. We serve a missional God who calls us to service and to missions. As we see in our Jonah reading, to run from or to avoid God's mission is disobedience to God. And it is running from the very presence of God himself. Jonah did not want to go and preach to the Ninevites. He would have had to travel east, and Nineveh is the capital of Assyria, near the Tigris and Euphrates rivers, but instead he goes west to the port of Joppa, south and west to this port on the Mediterranean Sea. And he sought to run from God's mission to Tarshish, the completely other direction. And by doing so, he was running from the presence of the Lord. That's what the text 
says. We often think that he's just running from mission to his enemies, and that is true. But by doing that, he is also running from the very presence of God. Now, to me, that's convicting. And I don't know if you've ever had the experience of running from God. I have. I, I have done it many times. I'm ashamed to say. In the summer of 2001, after the summer that I met my wife, when I met my wife at a Christian camp, we were serving God together. And when I saw her, I knew that I wanted to marry her immediately. She had other plans, and that did not happen. And so I, I went home. Um, and uh, I was depressed and had my quarter-life crisis and, and resigned my bivocational youth ministry job where I was for seven years and resolved that I was going to go to the beach, move to the beach, and I did. I lived in a little two-bedroom condo that I renovated because I'm a carpenter by trade, and I, I was going to live this romantic lifestyle as a poet walking my dog in the evening on the beaches, writing poetry, eating good Italian takeout, living for myself and myself alone. Whatever desires I had, whatever pleasures, whatever en entertainment I wanted to consume, I renovated this condo and again walked my little dog, Anna, on the beach. I dated someone uh, that spring that I shouldn't have, and I, that summer, I got a call to go back to that Christian camp in a, in a greater capacity of leadership, and I was scared, and I didn't go. I was scared I would fail. I was scared I wouldn't be able to do it. I was scared to face a woman I loved who might break my heart again. I was scared about all sorts of things, and, and I didn't go. I felt I failed. Uh, this life of pleasure, it failed. I failed. I failed God. I failed myself. I failed those around me. I felt far from the purpose and presence of God that I once had experienced while serving Him. I missed out. It was this moment that God brought to my mind as He was calling my wife and I to Haiti. And I resolved that I never wanted to experience what I experienced in that time of selfishness, that I never wanted to miss out on what God had in store for me in my life and for those around me. I imagine many of us can relate to this story. You probably have stories of your own. Most of the time, we know it when we're close to God and when we are serving Him, and we know it when we're close to God and we're serving Him. We know when we're not. We know when we blow it. We know when we're far from God's presence. Our Anglican Church of North America, Bishop Foley Beach, said it this way. We live in a time and in a place and in a culture where we need to look at our self-centeredness and how much of our life revolves around us. The giving of alms or the contrib contribution to serving and mission helps us in this. It helps us get out of ourselves. It helps us to keep our eyes on God, and it helps us to keep our eyes off of ourselves and onto the Lord's mission. We would do well to heed these words. I tremble at the thought of the cost associated with my own disobedience and self-centeredness. Still today, I tremble at the thought of that in areas of my life where I know I can be more faithful I tremble at the consequences of fleeing God's presence and mission 
I grieve the lost joy and the experience of fellowship with God and with my neighbor, which I may have missed by not obeying God and his call to mission. I shudder at the thought of missing the adventures of God and not experiencing God and his presence and mission as I obey him and follow him with my life and service. What did I miss when I ran? What did the campers miss? What did my future wife miss? Well, what are we missing out on? What are you missing out on when you don't serve God in mission? In the Christ-centered commentary, Exalting Jesus Through Jonah, the authors assert when we are slow to tell people about Jesus or don't tell people at all, we are doing the very thing Jonah did. We are rebelling against the, the Great Commission. If we keep doing that unchecked, we will soon find ourselves moving away from the presence of the Lord. For to reject one commandment of the Lord, no matter how tough the application of the command seems to be, is to reject God's will and thus reject the Lord himself. In contrast to this running away from the mission of God, most of us know what it's like to be in that sweet spot where we are experiencing God and his mission and his presence. Most of us know what it's like to serve God and to experience the joy of God's presence in loving and serving our neighbors. Just a few weeks ago, Daniel Miller, the director of Casa Chirilagua, one of our ministry partners, came to our staff meeting and shared her story with us of starting Casa. She spoke of seeing God's face and sensing God's presence in the face of the children at a nearby neighborhood park. She spoke of the sense of God's call and the sense of mission to her neighborhood, to love her neighbor. She spoke of seeing the face of Jesus and the children on the playground the day she was there praying for that mission. The evangelist Billy Graham, who recently died, said, The highest form of worship is the worship of unselfish Christian service. The greatest form of praise is the sound of consecrated feet seeking out the lost and the helpless. Graham did just that. He sought out the lost and the helpless and shared the good news, get this, to over 200 million people in person at his crusades. Not to mention how many other people he reached through television and radio, and probably some of you have stories of growth in faith or even coming to faith through this evangelist. While we are not all called to start a nonprofit like Danielle, we're not all called to be evangelists like Billy Graham, God is calling us to serve him in some way. Statistics say that one in ten Christians share their faith. Ten percent. One in ten Christians share their faith. Even though all of us are called to the Great Commission, which says, Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I command you, and lo, I am, I am with you. I am present with you unto the end of the age. That's Jesus speaking commanding us 
to go, arise and go. The expression of this mission to make disciples of all nations may look different in each of our lives in how we serve God. However, we are all called to make disciples of Jesus. We not, may not all be called to overseas missions, but we are called to serve God in mission, to love God with all of our hearts, with all of our minds, with all of our souls, and with all of our strength, and to love our neighbors as ourselves. Jesus said that on these two things, all the law and the commandments hang. Are you the one in ten who shares your faith? Are you in the ten percent? Or are you the one in nine that needs to arise and go and make disciples? God is calling us to something. What is God calling you to do? How are you to serve God in mission? How is God calling you to arise and go? Maybe you're being called to love your neighbor by being a mentor at CASA. There are ten boys right now, waiting on 10 men to rise and be their mentor at Casa Chirilago, our ministry partner. They're waiting for a mentor. They're ready for you. That's like shooting fish in a barrel as the expression goes. How do I make disciples? Who would I make a disciple of? I'm telling you, man, there are 10 guys waiting on you right now. Or maybe you're being called to share Jesus with that checkout clerk or that co-worker. We must be obedient to the mission of God. We must be obedient to whatever it is that God is calling us to do. To be outside of God's mission is to be outside of God's presence and will for your life. And most of us want to know God's will for our lives, do we not? God is calling us to know Him and to make Him known. Or as Christ the King's mission statement puts it, we are to grow together as God's family and make Him known by what we say and by what we do. Expressing ourselves in mission is risky. It's scary. It can produce great and deep fear in our lives. However, when we run from the mission, as Jonah ran from his mission, we run from the very presence of God. Have you thought of it this way? Have you thought of it in these terms? Not obeying God in mission and following him is sinful, and it costs us dearly, and it costs those around us. Running from God's mission is sinful because it, it, it is not loving God with all of our hearts and our soul and our mind and strength. It is not loving our neighbor as ourselves. There is no victimless sin. We hurt those and those around us when we don't obey God's mission and call. Running from God is costly to those around us. Think about this. Jonah had to pay the price to travel to Joppa. Jonah had to pay the fare for the ship to Tarshish. Jonah had, and the sailors had to pay the price of enduring the storm itself. The sailors had to pay the price of Jonah's disobedience. They almost lost their ship. They had to throw their cargo overboard. They lost their cargo. Finally, Jonah almost lost his very own life by disobeying God. He certainly lost three days in the belly of a great fish before being returned 
to the shoreline to be vomited up back to the mission at hand, kind of like I was. That's why I'm standing here. At some point in my life, in my story, I was vomited back up on a shoreline, you see, put back at the mission of hand with a story to tell you, I don't want to pay that price again. I don't want you to pay that price of disobedience, the sorrow of sinfulness. I want you to experience the joy, the freedom, the blessing, the adventure of a life with no regrets, where you see people around you coming to know Christ and that you're growing in your faith. That's what I want to experience. See, it costs us more to run from God's presence and calling to mission than to pay the price and arise and go. And when we do go, we find that God himself always picks up the tab. Try him. Try him. He is faithful. We often think about the costs associating with, associated with obeying God. We think, oh, it'll, it'll cost me my reputation. People call me a Jesus freak. How much money will this take out of my wallet? I wonder if we shouldn't focus more on the costs associated with not obeying God and not following God's call to mission. What are the eternal consequences? What are we missing? What is it costing us and those around us by not obeying God and His mission? We must arise and go. To not follow God and His mission for our lives is too costly for us and for those around us. We must obey God's call, and when we obey God's call to mission, we will find God's presence and blessing there. That's where we will find Him, right in the heart of the action. So, I hope you were wondering, what mission is God calling me to this morning? How do I hear God's calling and sense His mission for my life? I hope these are the questions that you have. What does this call and mission mean for me and my family? What does serving God and His mission look like in my life and work as I serve Him in my community? I want us to consider these questions as well as these. What is it costing you not to follow God's mission? What is the price tag on that? What are you missing out on? Have you ever asked yourself that question? When I don't do these things that God is asking me to do, what am I missing out on? It's funny, we, we ask ourselves that question about every other thing. We even have a, a term for it, FOMO, fear of missing out, you know? I wonder why we don't do this with spiritual things. Are we fully experiencing God when we run from the mission of God? In closing, um, I was discipled by a little book called Experiencing God by Henry Blackaby. Henry Blackaby, in his book, The Seven Realities of Experiencing God, says that we experience God in mission in the following seven ways. Blackaby writes these seven realities of experiencing God. This is how you know and do God's will. This is how you know what God's mission is. Recognize, number one, that God is always at work around you. So look where God is working and see ways that we can join him in that work. Number two, God is pursuing a continuing love relationship with you that is real and personal. How might God be wanting to relate to you this morning? 
How might God want to relate to you in mission, in your life, and in your work? Maybe we should ask God to deepen our love for Him and draw us as a church more closely to this vital and ongoing relationship which calls us to service and mission. Number three, Blackaby says that God is always inviting us to become involved with Him in His work. Maybe we should ask God, God, how can I join you in this activity in my life and in my family? How can Christ the King join you in your service and in your mission in the world? And number four, Blackaby says that God is always speaking by the Holy Spirit through the Bible, prayer, circumstances, and the church. God is desiring to reveal himself, his purposes, and his ways through these things. How is God speaking to you? Are you in the Word? Is the Holy Spirit speaking to you? What is the prayer that you are praying? What are the circumstances of your life steering you towards? How is this church spurring you on to good deeds to serve Him? Number five, God's invitation for you to work with Him, get this, always leads you to a crisis of belief that requires faith and action. You ever hear a word from the Lord? I love what Mark Twain says. It's not the things in the Bible that I don't understand that bother me. It's the things I do understand that bother me. Have you ever had that moment, that crisis of belief, where you know God is calling you to do this thing? God, help our unbelief. Help our unbelief as a church. Strengthen our faith as a congregation. Reveal which actions you want us to take to demonstrate our faith in you. And number six, and number seven, really get to the point here. You must make major adjustments in your life to join God in what he is doing. See, you can't stay where you are and follow God. Jonah could not stay where he was and go to Nineveh. Nevertheless, going to Joppa and then to Tarshish. You cannot stay where you are and go with God. So what adjustments do we need to make in our lives, in our character, in our relationship, in our homes, in our workplaces? What adjustments do we need to make as a church? What adjustments in our attitudes? That one hits me pretty hard. In our actions, in our schedule, in our ministry. And then finally, number seven, and I get this all the time as someone in ministry, in youth ministry, how do I know God is real? How do I experience God Blackaby says in reality number seven that you come to know God by experience as you obey him and he accomplishes his work through you. You come to know God by experience as you obey him and he accomplishes his work through you. Maybe we should ask God, God, we want to know you more in our service to you. We want to obey you. Help us as a church to come to know you by experience as we obey your service and mission, and you accomplish your work through us. May we come to know God by experience as we obey Him and He accomplishes His work through us. May we go out into the world in service and in mission and find that we have come into the very presence of God Himself, in the very presence of Jesus Christ, our King. Let's pray together. O God of all nations of the earth, remember the multitudes who have been created in your image. 
but have not known the redeeming work of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Grant that by the prayers and labors of your holy church, they may be brought to know and worship you, as you have been revealed in your Son, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, both now and forever. Amen and amen.